Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 13, verses 1 through 16, called, You Belong to Me. Exodus chapter 13, You Belong to Me, is the text. Exodus 13. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. If you're physically able to stand, would you stand with us for the reading of God's Word? I want to welcome all of you who are watching online as well. God bless you guys. If you're in your living room and in your pajamas right now, uh, repent. <laughs> but you could stand too. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, Exodus 13, 1, saying, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, Both man and beast, here's our title, it belongs to me, or you belong to me. And Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out from Egypt, from the house of slavery, by a powerful hand, the Lord brought you out from this place, and nothing leavened shall be eaten. Skip all the way down to verse 11. Now it shall come about when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite as he swore to you. And to your fathers and gives it to you, that you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord. But every first offspring of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? Then you shall say to him, with a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. And it came about when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the first offspring of every womb, but every every firstborn son of my sons I redeem. And so it shall serve as a sign on your hand and as phylacteries on your forehead. For with a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. You may be seated. Father, we thank you that we can meditate on this title this morning, You Belong to Me. If we are believers, that's what we can say. I belong to God. And I believe that this simple title, this simple proclamation can really be life transforming for all of us when we realize who we are, who it is to whom we belong, what our mission is in life, what our purpose is, and even our destiny is all encapsulated in this beautiful, powerful phrase, you belong to me. And I pray that if there are those who are listening to the sound of my voice, whether at this very moment or later on, they would come to the to the place where they receive you as their Lord and Savior. They would reciprocate or respond to the invitation to come and receive Jesus and be born again to a living hope. 
Lord, there are many crazy things going on today. It's hard to make sense of a lot that's going on. But one thing we know, if we're a believer, we belong to you. We know where we're headed and we can trust you. So would you give us ears to hear what you would say to us? Would you add and take away from what I've prepared so that you may speak and that your people would hear and we would respond in such a way that gives you glory? In Jesus' name, if you agree, would you say, Amen. The title, You Belong to Me, the opening verse, the Lord speaking to Moses says, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, the covenant community, both of man and beast, it belongs to me. As I've uh, had the opportunity to be a pastor for several decades now and meet different people along the journey, I met a wonderful man some years ago. I won't speak his name right now, but he was a man who was going through some very difficult trials, probably trials that few of us would know. And they had to do with physical stuff that was really outside of his control. And he found himself in some really dark places for extended periods of time and tried to do everything he could to get treatment for the malady, but it was, it was tough. And he would go through times that were really probably hard for any of us even to relate to. And he was a writer. And so he would write articles, beautiful uh, writer, would write in our newsletters and stuff like that. And one day when he was in the midst of one of his trials, he looked at me and he said, Pastor Michael, what gives me great comfort, no matter how dark life gets, how many ups and downs I go through, is this simple reality, I belong to him. And we had studied the book of Exodus together, and he felt like the Lord had really caused him to make that his own, that the Lord was speaking directly to him, you belong to me. I know what you're going through. I know the dark places that you see. I know your struggles. And this is something that you can know, even if you can't make sense of all of it, you belong to me. And I think all of us need to come to grips with that as believers, that we belong to the Lord, that we are his, that nothing will ever separate us from his love. Paul goes through a list of things in Romans 8, and he talks about height and depth and death and life and angels and principalities and powers and anything created. Nothing will ever separate us from that love. But some of you may be wondering this morning, do I really belong to him? And how would I know that I belong to him? And this is Romans chapter 8. It starts around verse 15, 16, and it says this, that we have not a spirit of slavery within ourselves, but a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. See, when we pray, Jesus instructed us to pray, our Father, or you can make it personal, my Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And the Bible gives, probably there's more, but at least two primary things that come to mind for me in terms of my identity. One, the word of God says, the moment that you repent and receive Christ, you belong to God. In Romans 8, Paul goes on to say that God gives us an internal testimony about our identity. Here's what it says. His spirit bears witness with my spirit that I belong to God or that I am a child of God. You have an inner testimony. 
You could say the word of God and the sealing of the Holy Spirit, which is essentially the presence of God in your life is the guarantee of the future redemption. He has sealed you until that day. You, if you're a believer, belong to him. And nothing is going to ever change that. Not height, not depth, not angels, not principalities, etc. But we have a journey. We have something that we are called to do, and that is to walk out this Christian life. But the first thing that we need to make sure is that we are his and he is ours. That we can say at the end of a day, I did what I did or I avoided certain things because I belong to him. I am his and he is mine. This is very much the idea of a relational love story. That's what it means to be a Christian. Not to go through just religious uh, you know, things that you do in your life. You show up here, you don't do this, you don't do that. It is about knowing God. And God makes this declaration as the children of Israel are ready to go out. He says to Moses, say, sanctify to me every firstborn. See in your Bibles that word sanctify? That's the Hebrew word kadosh. And here's the simple way to understand the word. It, it is the word for holiness. In the Greek, it's hagiatso, if you're interested. And the word means to set apart for God. One of the uh, great illustrations of this word is found in the Hebrew picture language because holiness means that which comes from the threshing floor. And holiness is separating the wheat from the chaff. And so if you want to be holy, God is going to do a work of separation in your life. He is going to sanctify you to himself and to his kingdom. And he's going to ask you to get the chaff out so that you can be the wheat, if you will. And he will bring the wheat one day into his barn. So it's what comes out of the threshing floor. And that's one of the things that God is doing in your life right now. He's doing a threshing work. And all God's people said, yay, the refiner's fire. Sometimes it's hard, but this is what God is doing. He wants you set apart for him. First Peter 3.15 says, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. And then you will be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you. And why would they ask you? How would they know that you belong to the Lord? They would see the fruit of the Lord in your life. They would see that you're being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. In the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about the idea of the sealing. And here's how the seal worked. In the ancient world, they would heat up wax. And they would put the stamp of the owner on the cargo. That's how they knew who it belonged to. And so if you ship something in the ancient world, they didn't have UPS, but they had, you know, kind of a ancient way of doing it. They would put cargo on ships and they would melt wax and they would be impressed with the stamp of the owner so that his servants on the other side in receiving the cargo would claim what belongs to him. And the impression that we have as believers in our lives is the very impression of Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And people will know if we manifest the fruits of the sealing Holy Spirit, which be things like love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Amen. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in other books of the Bible. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station? The same if you're listening on podcast. You can always just click that share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they will do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. They would see the fruit of the Lord in your life. They would see that you're being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. In the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about the idea of the sealing, and here's how the seal worked. In the ancient world, they would heat up wax, and they would put the stamp of the owner on the cargo. That's how they knew who it belonged to. And so if you ship something in the ancient world, they didn't have UPS, but they had you know, kind of an ancient way of doing it. They would put cargo on ships and they would melt wax and they would be impressed with the stamp of the owner so that his servants on the other side in receiving the cargo would claim what belongs to him. And the impression that we have as believers in our lives is the very impression of Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And people will know if we manifest the fruits of the sealing Holy Spirit, which be things like love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Amen? That's how people will know. And they will know by our love. And the first fruit is love. This is how the world is going to be attracted to the gospel. Not that we play a religious game. Not that we, you know, have a mantra, I don't smoke or chew or go with people who do. But rather that we're known for what we do, which is to reach out with God's love. Which is to be authentic about who we are and what we still struggle with as Christians. And he says, sanctify every firstborn. The first offspring, verse 2 of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast, it belongs to me. Now, in the ancient world, the firstborn had a special position in the family. He was kind of the representative of the family. And a, a modern way to think about it is a captain, for example, of a football team. When he goes to the middle of the field, he represents the rest of the team. If you're an uh, executive in a company and you go to the bargaining table for your company... You can make a decision. You can represent that company and speak for that company. That's the position that the firstborn had in the family. But if you've uh, wrestled with the Bible for any time at all, you know that God didn't always use the firstborn in birth order. He would identify often secondborns as the firstborn because the idea of firstborn ultimately has to do, this is really important, with a magisterial position or a place of authority and honor. When Jesus is called the firstborn of God, it doesn't have to do with being born as in being created. It has to do with his unique position of honor. All supremacy, if you will, belongs to him. And so the firstborn became representative of the rest of the family. So the firstborn from that mama's womb would, would really represent the rest of the family, think with me, in the same way 
as the first fruits would. So God called his people to give the first fruits of the harvest. And they would take the first of their crops and they would offer it to the Lord. And it represented the rest of the harvest coming in. And so the firstborn in the ancient world represented the whole family. It's not that the secondborn was necessarily lesser in God's eyes. But that was a consecration of the entire family. Every one that would come from that womb was essentially set apart for God. And this is what God said. I want you to give me the first. I want you to give me the best because it will guarantee the rest of the harvest. And this is what Jesus said to us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Don't give me the second. Don't give me, you know, your leftovers. You give me your best and I'll take care of the rest. Amen? Huh? You guys out there? Sorta, kinda. Now, God did something in the book of Genesis that I want to show to you, and it'll be familiar to, I think, most of you. Genesis 22. Now, before this law was enacted, we have the story of Abraham and Sarah. And, of course, they wanted a child, and they longed for a child, and they waited, and God had made a promise that a progeny, a seed of Abraham, through that seed, he would have offspring like the sand of the sea or the sand of the seashore and the stars of the sky. And Abraham kept wondering how and time was going by. And finally, the son of promise arrived when he was 100 and she was 90. So some of you think, "Ah, I'm getting too old to do stuff. Well, come on. God is a God of miracles. Amen. He can do whatever he wants in your life, no matter what your age may be. And so the son of promise came and it came about Genesis 22 that God tested Abraham and said to him, and by the way, God does test us. He said, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, essentially your firstborn, though we know that uh, another son had been born, he was not the son of promise, and they got ahead of God, and we know that story. But take your son, your only son, your firstborn, if you will, whom you love, that's Isaac, his name means laughter, And go to the land of Moriah. Most scholars agree that Moriah is the place, the mount where Jesus was crucified. And offer him, that is your son, there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Now can you imagine being Abraham? Waiting so long, finally you get this son that brings laughter into your life and joy into your life. And now God says, I want you to offer him to me. Now, just to be clear, the Bible never condones human sacrifice. I believe it's in Jeremiah 7.31 where God says to the people of Israel, you did something in offering their sons in the fire to a false god called Molech. You did something, this is in human language now, that didn't even enter into my mind. It was such an abomination to God. And we all know that God is not going to allow Abraham to kill his son. But Abraham is essentially doing what Genesis 13 teaches before there was a Genesis 13. God says, I want you to give me your son because technically he's not your son. He belongs to me. And many of you as parents over your Christian journey have perhaps done something called a baby dedication. And you came up to the platform of a church 
And you said, we want to dedicate this child to God. And I'm not sure you knew what exactly you were doing. Maybe some of you did. Please, Lord, take this child. (laughs) I get it. I, I get what you're saying. But when you did that, you were essentially saying, Lord, this child that you have given us, we give him or her back to you. By the way, there are some scholars that believe that the the gender language here is neutral. That's a debatable point. But the point is the firstborn represents the rest of the family. So it's all of us. And when you and I as parents and grandparents and even great-grandparents can realize that ultimately our children don't belong to me. See, it would be hard for any of us to be in Abraham's sandals and say, Lord, I'll do it. Now, Abraham obeyed, I think, because he realized that this was the son of promise so that God would raise him from the dead if he needed to. But I think Abraham somehow had in his heart that this miraculous birth was just another affirmation that God was doing a miracle and that Isaac's life was bigger than just Abraham and Isaac. And it was because from Isaac comes Jacob and then the 12 sons of Israel who are the 12 tribes. And from one of those tribes, namely Judah, comes who? The lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb of God. And when you and I can realize that perhaps our children As we give them back to God, we give them back to God because it's bigger than us. We'll be at a better place to realize the bigger picture is what God is most concerned about. Not saying that this wasn't devastating for Abraham, because certainly it was, and off they went. And of course, in verse uh, 9, they're walking together. Actually, look at verse 7. Isaac begins to smell out uh, a problem. He says, uh, well, there's fire and wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And so the two of them walked on together. You've been listening to You Belong to Me, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 through 16. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak to you if you need prayer or counsel. If you're having a hard time and need someone to talk to, or maybe you don't feel like talking at all, but you could use some prayer, call Walk in Truth on Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Once again, 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, as we think about the title, You Belong to Me, it's a, it's a wonderful, um, reassuring thing as a believer to know that we belong to the Lord. We are His, and He is in our lives. But you know, as, as we grow, maybe you're a parent or a grandparent or even a great grandparent. And sometimes it's hard to let go and to trust that the Lord's got your child as well, that he'll take care of your kids as they grow. Now we're to do our part, of course, but ultimately everything we have belongs to him. A man would have nothing unless it first been given to him from heaven. A woman would have nothing unless it first been given to her from heaven. Well, what do we do? 
How do we negotiate thinking through these things? Well, we are stewards. We are stewards of all that God has given us, and we want to manage it well. And I think that's the best thing that you can do. Help me uh, pray, say, Lord, help me be a good steward of what you've given to me. I give it back to you. I entrust it to you. And with this help, you'll be able to steward it well. This is Pastor Michael Lance. You're listening to Walk in Truth. Hey, we have a Wednesday night service at the church that I have the privilege of being senior pastor. It's called Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. We do a Wednesday night service, 7 p.m. each Wednesday night. We have a time of worship, the word, and a time of koinonia. And if you're anywhere near the Inland Empire or right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue, I'd love for you to come. If you're not in Southern California, you can always catch the service on our YouTube channel. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the YouTube channel there, or go to walkintruth.com and find out information and directions about how to get to the fellowship. I'd love to meet you, love to have you be part of what's happening here midweek. It's always a great way to get built up during the middle of the week and keep your focus where it belongs. Walkintruth.com to find out everything you'd like to know. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a monthly Walk in Truth partner of at least $10 a month or give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 through 16, called you belong to me. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.